Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. You guys uh, may be seated this morning. You know, we're going to continue just in the attitude of worship this morning. And uh, one of the things that I want to do is... Um, is give us an opportunity. You know, this Thursday night, we've been having prayer nights uh, once a quarter at RVC, and they've been really awesome nights. We want everybody to feel welcome to be a part of that evening as we gather together, as we pray. But one of the things we've been doing is we've been handing out uh, prayer cards uh, each and every time that we do this, and we've been seeing God move in really miraculous ways in people's lives. God opening doors for families, God bringing reconnection uh, with, uh, with loved ones, and certainly we've been seeing spiritual life taking place in some of the folks that uh, don't know Jesus that, have, um, that we've been putting on these prayer cards. So um, what I want you to do right now is take out your bulletin, and there should be a pen somewhere by your chair, and just take a moment right now as we just continue in this attitude of worship uh, to just jot down a request. It could be for a loved one that needs healing. It could be for a relationship that you want to see restored. It could be for uh, any number of things. And so I want to give you a second to write that down. And as you do, I want to remind us all what God's word says. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Let's write these prayer requests down, really, in that kind of understanding that God does move and answer to prayer. And when we lay things out before him as we do this Thursday night, uh, that God would just move miraculously as you write some of these requests down. And at the end of our service, you can drop those requests off in that connection box. And there should be two cards in your, in your bulletin. If you need more, if you've got a family like mine, uh, you got, uh, we've got multiple cards. You can write as many prayer requests out as you want. Maybe even as our service is going and continuing, you might think of something else that you want. You can also email us, uh, go on our website and click on prayer, and you, will, you can email us a direct prayer request. We'll be taking those right up until uh, Thursday evening, 7 p.m. at the Campus Life Center. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for the, the promise that you've given to us, Lord, that if we ask anything according to your will, we know that you hear us, God. And we, we, if you hear us, Lord, your word tells us, God, that you will move in answer to prayer. Lord, your word tells us to worry about nothing but to pray about everything. Lord, we want to lay uh, our lives down before you, Jesus. There, there are things that we want to see happen, God. There are marriages that need to be restored, God. There are kids that need uh, strength and, and courage in this world. Father, there is, um, Lord, brokenness within our church, God, and amongst our families that, God, we want to see you do that work of repair. And Lord, we are, are, are looking to you, Jesus. Lord, you're the author and the finisher of our faith, God. And so we look to you, Father, in answer to all of these requests, God. And may you move as we pray together on Thursday night, as we lift these needs before you, Jesus. We pray that you would hear us, Lord, and that you would move in answer to those prayers that we lay before you. God, we thank you for your love and your grace. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you do move in answer to prayer. Not always in our timing, Lord, but you are always, always faithful. So God, today we remind ourselves once again of your faithfulness, Lord, and your goodness that you have towards us, God, to those who call upon you. Lord, we love you. Would you bless this service today? Would you bless all that's going on now? It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. Hey, listen, I want you to take a look at the screen. Then I'm going to come back to do a couple announcements and dismiss our uh, young people. But uh, we are partnering with Samaritan's Purse this winter. Uh, we're going to be uh, packing up over 100 of our boxes. Uh, Samaritan's uh, Purse collects them. Operation Christmas Child. such a great ministry. Next, uh, actually in two weeks, I have a video that I actually uh, recorded with a guy in Fresno who is a recipient of these boxes as an eight-year-old young man and how it transformed him and his community. And so uh, that's why we're doing this. But take a look at Samaritan's Purse. My hope for the country is bright because once we reach the children and the youth with the gospel, we have a bright future. That box represents not only what somebody's going to be receiving, but what somebody is giving. Yeah, I think the, the vision of, of the church is that each person matters to God and each person matters to us. And so the way that, that we communicate to people that they matter is, uh, is, with, is with kindness. Gift boxes have been a blessing in more ways than one. It was easy then to preach that Jesus cares. It was easy to show them that Jesus really loves you. And this is only a small way in which he's demonstrating his love. One of the amazing things about Operation Christmas Child is that we do our mission in a tangible way to needed children around the globe and together with the local church. And that is a very critical part. It is by empowering, by entrusting, by training uh, the local church children are important for God. Because it brings God's name forward. It brings the name of Jesus Christ forward. It's getting people locally to think globally. It's a simple way for people to think about the world and not just think about it, but actually do something. Awesome. Have you guys been uh, grabbing boxes? There we go. Good, because we're out of them. We actually ordered some more. Um, so yeah, please uh, take some boxes. If you don't, if we, if there's no more boxes, which I think we have more coming this week, you can get any old shoe box or any kind of you know plastic container. And uh, there is items that you know outside. We have like a list of items you can get. Apparently, um, uh, Hobby Lobby has like a whole section of just stuff that you can you know go and collect all the things, and they give you like forty percent off. Uh, and uh, they pray for you and they bless you uh, as you leave there. Apparently, it's a Christian place, so you can go there. They have a, a great selection of items. Um, like I said, it's really changing lives. Um, how about uh, all of our Giants fans are excited right now this morning, right? Boo. Okay. I don't even know why I brought that up. I'm sorry. My bad. Uh, Dodger fans, we have a special area for prayer for you and your team later tonight. It's going to be over in the corner. Uh, there's uh, some page, some uh, yeah, Red Sox fans will be praying over there with you. Hey, a um, couple things going on. Actually, let me just welcome all of you for the first time. Thank you for being here. If you are new to RVC, um, in your bulletin, there's a connection card. You can let us know that today's your first time or second time. We'd love to uh, connect with you and uh, find any way that we might be able to part of your journey of knowing Jesus and uh, growing in your faith. Anything that we can do for you uh, as a family. We do have a, a couple announcements and have a, um, something else that we're going to be uh, doing this morning. Um, 
uh, the announcements are is that Hume Lake is coming up for our junior higher and high schoolers. So if you have a junior higher or high school student, those uh, deposits are due uh, coming up very soon. And so your kids have probably been talking to you about it. We're going to give you more information in the coming weeks, but, uh, but you got to jot that down. In fact, Andrew and Jalinda are going to be out at the Connection Center if you have any questions. They're uh, right now overseeing as parents um, our junior high and our high school ministry on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. So we're super grateful for them, but they'll be out there to answer questions um, and, uh, and let you know all there is to know about uh, being that camp. That camp's actually a really cool camp. It is actually a part of a citywide effort of bringing our young people together, and they're all going to Hume at the same time. Uh, just multiple, dozens of youth groups are going to be joining uh, together for that um, event. Um, also, you might have noticed that there's a trailer outside, and inside that trailer is a brand new Harley Davidson fat boy, and in your bulletin, there's a star. So looking, no, I'm just kidding. There's nothing in that trailer right now. But after today, we're going to be storing a lot of our kids' ministry equipment. And so if you weren't with us last week, um, this uh, school year, we got informed by the school that they're going to be needing some of their own closet space, and, uh, and we're no longer going to be able to just fully be stored here on campus. And so what that means for us is that we're going to need, uh, number one, we're going to need some extra helpers with um, trailers. So if you, if you have the ability to pull a trailer, I don't know if we have a, a picture of the kind of truck we encourage you to go buy for this deed, but um, there we go. So if that's what you're looking for, if you feel like you're missing out on life, you can go and pick one of those Ram trucks up. And uh, you actually don't even need that. If our trailer's light. You could have like a Kia and, uh, or something, a Prius. There we go. You could pull it. Um, so if you're, if you're interested in joining our crew and you can pull a trailer like once every six weeks, jot that down on the connection card because we'd like to, to be able to do that. Here's something else about that trailer is that this wasn't a part of our um, anticipated expenses. Uh, we're grateful for all of us contributing and giving of our offerings and glorifying God uh, through that act of worship. But uh, maybe God has laid on your heart even just now because you just found out about it uh, that you would like to and you have the means to be able to fund that trailer. We uh, spent $5,700 this last week um, knowing that we had to have it, but uh, if that's something that God would lay on your heart, you want to contribute specifically towards that uh, trailer being purchased, um, we would uh, greatly appreciate it, and, uh, and then you'd be off the hook for pulling it, so you decide. Um, with that, uh, where's Jesse at? Jesse and Sarah, are they here? Did, they, did he already, there, oh, there we go, don't scare me like that. So close to Halloween, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, can you, this is Jesse and Sarah, can you guys say hello to Jesse and Sarah? So Jesse, Jesse and I, um, actually we got to know both of you guys about a year ago uh, right now is when you and I started having coffee over at Cup of Joy and talking about worship and stuff. Um, Je Jesse has been our interim worship director um, since I believe like February, March time of this year, but you've been a part of leading worship since last year, November. Um, Sarah is actually the co-director of the Pink House uh, and does an amazing job with uh, young adults. <laughs> Who, if you don't know anything about Pink House, we've brought her up and shared some of the things going on there. Um, but today is Jesse's last day with us on staff as our interim worship leader. And so um, I just wanted to just acknowledge him, the fact that, uh, that you have stepped in at a really crucial time at our church. Uh, as you guys, many of you guys know, Luke Mundy, who was on staff with me for seven years, he's still here. Uh, he's still serving. He still contributes on our worship team. But he stepped away from his staff role um, last March, and Jesse stepped right in and did a fantastic job 
job and has done a great job of leading this church in God's presence uh, and helping develop our teams. And so we're just really grateful for you, man, for all that you've done and uh, committing that time for us. And so uh, we love and appreciate you both. We'd love to pray for you guys uh, as they head on to their next leg of life. Um, so come into the light. There we go. There we go. John, <laughs> John 1.5, God is light in him. There we go. So, um, and, uh, and just so you're aware, like we are, as a church family, we're praying what is God's next move for us as a church. We have phenomenal uh, gifted worship leaders that are part of this church, and they're going to be rotating leading on Sunday mornings. But uh, you just need to know, first of all, you got to make sure you give them a, both a big hug. And uh, Jesse really feels loved when you sock him in the arm. That's like the big thing that we've learned over this last year. So... Yes, or get poked in the eye, one or the other. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much, uh, Lord, for Jesse and Sarah. Lord, I, I truly believe, God, you brought them to RVC, Lord, for uh, at such a time as this, Lord. They've been such a, a great asset to our team. Lord, the gifts that you've given to Jesse, Lord, in leading your people into your presence, God, certainly is, uh, is one of the m- most talented, God. Uh, but Lord, his heart, Lord, is to see your people worship you, Jesus, and to see everybody to be a part of a worship team, God, and to see a congregation be a choir singing praises to you. And so, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for using him uh, and allowing us, God, to grow as a congregation in our understanding of what worship is, God, and Lord, each and every week, Father, having that time to to sing together, God, to worship you, Lord, and all the effort and uh, work that he put in uh, throughout the week, God, to get us ready every single Sunday. We just bless you for it, God. We pray you would reward him for it, and that, Father, you would lead and guide Sarah uh, in this next stage of their lives, God. Continue to use them, Jesus. Continue to bless them, Father, and provide every single need that they have. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for him and Sarah. Uh, Bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Boom. Okay. See you, buddy. God bless you, man. All right. So uh, you didn't, did anyone high-five each other yet? Say hi to anybody. Listen, we need, we, we, in our crew this morning, we had Dodger fan and Red Sox fan locked in arms for the unity of this service. And so we can do that right now. Uh, let's all stand up real quick. Tell somebody hi. Our junior hires, high school, uh, fourth through sixth grades, you guys are dismissed. Oh my goodness, thank you. The exodus of our young people. Wow. Man. Lots and lots and lots and lots of young people. Thank God, man. What a, we have a church for a long time uh, here. Well, good morning, guys. Great to see you. Uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 as we continue our series uh, in the book of 1 John, where we learn in this book that God is light. God is love and God is life. Uh, one of those um, themes we talked about last week, John says in 1 John 1.5, he says, God is light and in him is no 
darkness at all. I love this letter. It's such an incredible, uh, truth-packed letter that John the Apostle, the best friend of Jesus, wrote to a group of Christians when he was around the age of 100 years old and really just teaching them about what, it, what, it, what the truth is about who Jesus is and then what does it mean to actually be a follower of his. Uh, he writes of joy, he writes of freedom, he writes of assurance, and, and, and in the get-go of this letter, he lets us know that, that Jesus Christ has arrived on this earth so that you and I might have fellowship with him. And the result of that fellowship would be a, an internal joy that goes way beyond the happenings of our life. It actually is an internal joy that's connected to a deep fellowship or connection or divine friendship, if you would, with God himself. As John says, God is light. Last week we looked at it, he says, but you can't live in darkness and claim to be fellowshipping with God who is light. This brought up some questions in our small group this uh, last Thursday night. Uh, Tam and I lead a, a, a young adults small group at our house. And, uh, and we talked about like, it's kind of weird to think that God is light and in him was no darkness at all. But, but you know, if we claim to have fellowship with him but walk in darkness, then we lie and don't practice the truth. But then John said, but if you claim that you have no sin, you're also a liar. And so you just feel like you're taking crazy pills, right? The idea is that John is saying is that, that you and I walking in the light will never be sinless, uh, but what he's referring to is the fact that there's people that would claim to know God. In fact, here's some more tests we're going to look at this week. They would claim to say, I know God, I walk with God, I'm walking in the light, I have fellowship with God. But their lifestyle is habitual darkness. There's no re regret or remorse over sin. There's no uh, sense of, uh, God, I want these areas of my life changed. What happens when you walk in the light? illumination happens on areas of your life like hey that was a wicked thought or gee you shouldn't have said this about that person or you need to let go of this bitterness and choose forgiveness uh, in this situation that you're dealing with that's what it means to walk in the light so John's very careful to say guys none of us will ever be sinless but we're moving in a direction where Christ is transforming us from the inside out and, and he is becoming uh, a greater um, image in our lives that, that we are becoming more and more like him the longer and longer you and I walk with God. And so there, there's some tests that John gives kind of throughout the letter. In fact, when you're reading the letter of 1 John, he'll say things like, if we say or if we claim. And that's exactly what happens this morning. We're looking at uh, chapter two of 1 John, verse three through six. Let's read together. John says this. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in them truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What John is referring to is, is something called just Christian consistency. You're claiming to know God, there ought to be some sort of um, you know, consistent behavior in your life that proves that, that you actually are knowing and walking with God. It, again, it's not perfection, that's never gonna happen. Nobody is perfect, that's why we have a perfect savior that hung on the cross for us. But he continues this theme of walking with God. In fact, we introduce uh, new terms today. Know him. If we know that we know him, 
if we keep his commands. If anyone claims to know him but doesn't keep his commands, he says they're a liar. And in another word, abide. These are two very intimate, connected words, to know by experience. It's the same words that we would use for a husband uh, to, to know his wife intimately, in the most intimate way. That's what Jesus said, that the eternal life is this, that you might know God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. This intimate fellowship I love that word fellowship, that divine friendship. And then that abiding, you know, Jesus refers to uh, abiding in him in John 15. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If anyone abides in me and I in him, right, they will bear fruit. So if you, those of you that are farmers out here today, uh, you know, you understand like that if a branch gets cut off from a tree, you don't even need to be a farmer to figure this one out, right? It dies. It happens in our homes every December. You go out and you cut a tree down. Wow, it smells so great. And then it's, it's like a fire, you know, waiting to happen in your household. Costco has great trees, by the way, with these pre-lit lights already woven in them. Those are so great. And if your kids say it's fake, say, you'll be out in five years. Who cares? This is way easier. <laughs> this is going to pay for itself. That's what we did. It was like, just get over it, man. We'll get a little, those little, uh, go to Craig and Auto Supply, get those little trees that smell like pine and just kind of put them all around. <laughs> Knowing and abiding. And, and what John was doing, he was, he was giving a group of confused Christians who had been hearing some rumblings from these so-called um, like people with super knowledge. They were called the Gnostics and they had some very divisive doctrine. It was false teaching that, that claimed things like we have a superior knowledge that we're the enlightened ones and the apostles, including John here, they're naive about not only the true nature of Jesus, that he wasn't fully God or he wasn't fully man, and sort of the, 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 the role of the Christian in obeying God's commands. They're saying it's not that big of a deal to keep these laws because it's the spirit that actually is connected to God. And John says, guys, that's absurd. But he wants to give them some, because some of them had some doubts, am I saved? My Christian any longer? How do we know? Simply because someone says that they know God, it doesn't mean it's true. Or simply because they say anything, it doesn't mean that it's true. There's the story of uh, Muhammad Ali when he was flying one uh, time. He was on the airplane in the back of the plane, and stewardess came up and said, uh, "Sir, we're about to take off, and you need to buckle up." And he said these words to her: uh, "Superman doesn't need a seatbelt." And she said to him appropriately, and Superman doesn't need an airplane either, so buckle up. Right? But just because you claim something or get it tattooed on your arm doesn't mean that it's actually true. These tests were actually given to give assurance to us this morning. Am I on the right track? Am I moving forward in my Christian life? And that's also a warning. For those that make claims like, well, my grandma made me say this prayer when I was five, and so I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Well, I'm sorry, your grandma actually might have been wrong. Uh, there's nothing magical about saying a sinner's prayer. It's if you're truly knowing God, if you're truly abiding in God, John says there are some tests that, that, uh, that reveal that truth and give you assurance, but also a little bit of a warning if it's not a reality in your life. So these two realities that give assurance to believers that they're really walking in the light and having fellowship with God. The first one John brings up in verse three and four is this. He says, by this we know that we have come to know him. We keep his commandments. So number one, what is the, if I'm, if I'm on the right track, 
What's the signs I need to say that, that I'm moving down the right road? Is that you're obeying his commands. You have a desire to obey his commands. When he talks about knowing God or knowing him, again, it's that experiential knowledge that speaks of that close fellowship with Jesus. And so uh, one might say, you know, you might know George Washington, but you really know your wife, right? Uh, you might know facts about George Washington, but you know when your wife is mad. Or you know when your spouse is mad. How, why do you know that? Because you know by experience. You've dwelt with them. You know that that has really gotten you in a lot of trouble. He says, you'll keep the commands. It's a word that means to guard carefully, as if you were guarding a treasure. See, that's how a, a Christian actually uh, looks at God's word. But he doesn't look at it, and she doesn't look at it in a way that says like, oh, that's easy, that's easy, that's easy. When we look at God's word, and we treasure it, and we just say, God, I, I truly desire to honor you, and to keep your word, is what John says, or to keep the commands in another way. His word is important in the life of a Christian. In fact, I would encourage you that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to make God's word a serious priority in your life and making sure that you're giving adequate time to allow it to saturate your life. We talked about this last week at our small group. If you know that Ben was the bachelor a couple times back, you've got enough time to read your Bible. Never mind the fact that I know that that actually was a real guy and he really was the bachelor. So I got different problems than you might have, but so pray for me. Write me down on that prayer card. If you've got, you, all of us have time. And as a Christian, if God's word tells us that if we claim to know him, we should keep his commands, we need to allow God's word to actually speak to our hearts and set aside time to do it. If you don't own a Bible, man, you're at the right place. We own so many Bibles and we give them away because we want you to have your own personal copy of God's word that you can allow him to speak to your heart. You can underline something or circle something or write something down because this will become the thing that you go back to. Do, do you know, I don't know, I don't know the name of the aisle where uh, the haagen is at Save Mart, but I can walk to that aisle with my eyes closed half asleep, and I know exactly where to go. Do you know what I mean? I know what window to open up to get it. Why do I say that? I don't know every single part about God's word, but you know what? I know there was something powerful on this side of the page right up here, and I underlined it. Do you, are you guys with me on that? You're like going, I don't know where it is. Hold on. I have it. I have it. It's right here. Oh, wow. That was it. Like, you don't have every single thing memorized, but you know where to go. And when you have God's word in a daily interaction with your life, you jot things down, you underline things, and you begin to actually process and, and grow as a, as a Christian. How can we even know God apart from his word? It's his word that he's chosen to reveal who he is and his plan of salvation and what it means to follow him and to live for him. David said, your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you in Psalm 119, verse 11. So there's that desire to learn it and then to live it, as James says, to be a doer of God's word. Not just knowledge about it, but, but how is it affecting my life? How is it, how's it changing and rearranging the priorities of your life? We read things in God's word that we're called to love one another. So an opportunity pops up for you to actually demonstrate love to somebody. We're called to serve one another. 
We're called to forgive one another even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. See, these are the commands that, that Jesus and that John is actually saying. These are the things that ought to be displayed in your life and in my life. Again, they're not things that are easy. These are difficult things. In fact, uh, someone has appropriately said the, the Christian life is to behave contrary to your human nature. It's not, it's not in our nature to say, I want to choose to forgive. It's our nature to actually try to retaliate. But now Christ is in our life. God, I'm claiming to know you. I want to actually now start obeying your commands. I want to start obeying your word. Here's the reality for us. My personal contact with God's word, my desire to keep it, is always an accurate description of where I am with God. Like where my relationship really is with him, right? It's not church activity. We want you to come to church a lot. It's not like, you know, how many blogs that you read that are Christian blogs or how much, you know, Christian music you listen to and all you're dialed in is K-Love, you know, in your, your, your car. Everyone's like, wow, they're so spiritual. It's contact with his word, desire to keep it. That's the indicator if you and I are moving forward in spiritual maturity and actually are, are, are men and women that actually know God is that we're moving in that direction. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's where God reveals his plan, how you and I are to live. That, that, that stuff that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four, that we put off our old man, right? And all of its corruption. And we put on that new spiritual person uh, that was created in Christ Jesus. And then he starts giving out some examples. So you used to be a big old fat liar. Stop lying and start telling the truth. That's what it means to keep his commands. So if you lie, stop lying. Tell the truth, right? See, if you used to steal, stop taking stuff that isn't yours. You learned that in kindergarten. And go get a job and then work and contribute so that you have some money that you can help other people who are in need. And he talked about putting away things that fly out of your mouth and my mouth that dishonor God and destroy other people, gossip and, and, and you know, slander and things like that. And, and, and then he gets to forgiveness. It's like all these commands, they're, and guess what? All of them could be summed up the way Jesus summed them up. To love God is the first command with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you and I love God, guess what? We'll choose to do things that bring them honor rather than dishonor. And then to love our neighbors ourselves. When we choose to love our neighbors ourselves, we say, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal from them, right? I'm not going to do harm to them. I'm going to try to do good to them. That's what it means. All the commands. And you and I can read them uh, throughout God's word and through the New Testament. We find that there's that challenge to abandon the old life in God's word, that self-seeking life, and to take up the cross and to follow Jesus. So when you read God's word uh, and you set time aside for God's word, and by the way, there's reading plans on you version. It's such a great, what a great thing, right? Think of all the dumb things you and I do with our phones. Like one great thing you could do is get, uh, download a Bible app called uversion.com and you literally can pick different like reading plans if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or if you're struggling with fear or you want to read through the New Testament this year. They literally just lay out a spiritual workout plan for you that could be three days long or 365 days long. It's such a great thing. Think of all the dumb things, all the dumb apps uh, on your, your phone. Delete, 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 and add that one. You certainly will have a better life because of it. But when you read it, God's word, you go, is there a command to obey? Is there an attitude I need to actually take up in my life? Is, is there something I need to confess? That's how you and I approach God's word. Here's what Jesus says about keeping his commands. He tells us in John 14, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And again in John 14, 21, 
Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will uh, love them and reveal myself to each of them. So Jesus tethers love for him to obedience to him. You think back in the day, uh, in you know, biblical times, there were certainly those that, that were, um, b- became, they personally gave their lives over to become you know, a, a doulos, a, a bondservant to another because they were in such debt. And they obeyed because they actually had to or they'd get in trouble. If you're an employee this morning, you obey your bosses, right? Because you need to, because you want to get paid, right? But why would a Christian obey God? Because they want to. And it's attached to love, according to Jesus. It's like, I love God. I actually want to obey him. Does this mean that you and I never want to be naughty? To put it in like five-year-old terms? (laughs) No, you want to Punch somebody in the throat that just bugs you, right? Or someone that talks bad about you or your spouse. Man, you want to put them in their place. But out of love for God, we're moving towards Christ-likeness. And you might be shocked what comes out of your mouth. Hey, maybe we should just pray for them. Oh, my gosh, I'm growing. I can't believe this is happening. They said this would happen. That's what happens. When you're in intimate fellowship with God, You have a desire to keep his commands. He says in verse four, but if not, you're a liar and the truth is not in that person. Now nobody uh, can, can completely keep all of God's commands, right? But if you have no desire to keep them or obey him and his word, you're living in falsehood. This, this whole Christian journey, it's a journey. It is a lifelong journey that you're on. The, the, the theological term is called sanctification. Is that you and I are inching towards Christ-likeness on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. We take a few steps forward, and if you're like me, you feel like you take 100 back. And you go back to 1 John 1, 9, the Christian bar of soap. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So the first test is, God, I'm on the right track because there's a desire in me to actually obey you. And what he says is that that when that happens in your life and when that happens in my life, he talks about this idea of whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Now that's a great great, uh, idea and thought. Now some people would argue that it's referring to your love for God And being perfected means it's being brought to maturity. And also God's love for us actually could be both. The fact that you and I, as we open up more of our life to God, what happens is that his love, even Jesus says, the Father will love you. This doesn't mean that he doesn't love every single person. No, it just means that that maturing love relationship, it gets richer and it gets deeper And when you and I seek to actually obey him in his word, what happens is you're becoming a man or a woman where the love of God is truly actually taking over your life and taking over my life. And that's what John's referring to here. This idea that the love of God is made complete in my life and in your life, and it shows up that we actually want to obey him. We want to honor him. And that's a long, long journey. Here's a second little test that he gives. He says, and by this, again, and by this, the end of verse five, we may know that we are in him. 
Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The next sign that we have a genuine relationship with God is this, that we have a life that begins to look like his life. We read the Gospels. You read about Jesus. Jesus was the greatest person that ever walked the face of this earth. When he looked at people that you and I would quickly judge, he looked at them with compassion in his heart. And he saw them for what they were. The disciples in one gospel, they're like, Jesus, like, get these people, move them on. You know what I mean? Like, it's time. Like, too much time. This service has gone way too long. Which uh, you guys might think as well. <laughs> it's way too long, Jesus. He's like, you know what? He said he looked at this mass of people that the disciples were kind of fed up with and done and like, I'm clocking out today, Jesus, as your disciple. And he says he looked at them with compassion because he saw them for what they were. They were like sheep without a shepherd, scattered. And he looked beyond their outbursts of anger and you know fronts that they put up and he saw human hearts that were destroyed by the enemy and he came to save them. That's when you and I know that we're abiding in him is when we start moving in that kind of direction. You know what I mean? Where you're a little less quick to judge, a little more quick to have compassion for people. He says, by this we know that we're in him or having fellowship with him. And he gives us that word abiding in him. It will lead to imitating his life. You cannot help but to take on a person's mannerisms, right? When you hang out with someone long enough. Uh, my children in our household, all, all this, like when they were all growing up, you know, Tam and I would just start laughing, like going, what are they singing back there? They're like making songs up. And then I realized like, oh, that's their dad. I just sing and make songs up. I like to rearrange songs and make them better. <laughs> Sitting with my son and talking to him just the other night, uh, my youngest boy lives in San Diego, and he's trying to let me know something. He says, here's the deal, dad. I'm like, here's the deal, dad. Like, where are you getting this language from? Like, oh, that's what I say all the time. Here's the deal. Some habits not so good. When the my youngest, or my oldest, Austin, when he was about two years old. Apparently, my wife reminds me that sometimes I spit a little too much, like when I'm walking around. If I see a flower bed, I'm like, I feel bad for you, and I spit in the flower bed. So that's a little too much for you. Just so you know that I, since I was a little kid, I always got in trouble for spitting uh, by my mom, by soccer coaches, and everybody else. And, uh, and so I was given a little, you know, shoulder ride. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, ch I checked the weather. I thought it was warm and sunny all day. And, and out of his mouth is just this spit hanging and just falling in my face. And I'm like, you're not a ninja yet. You're going to get this down. It's going to go about 10 feet. But like, come on. All my kids, you know. I can't even blame my wife on that one. It's all me. All my DNA gave them that. You ever hung out with somebody that has some other kind of mannerism? Where you just go like, I'm sounding just like that person. I'm doing what they do, whatever it is. My buddy's uh, wife was driving in the, in the car, or actually my, my buddy was driving in the car with his son, who was about five at the time, and, uh, and somebody wasn't going in front of them. And from the back seat, he goes, go! And he realized, like, oh my gosh, my wife needs to cut it out because that's how she drives. <laughs> In case you're wondering, it's Matt Heinersey, and so Andrea apparently gets really angry driving around in San Diego, for those of you that know them. 
Actually, Matt's mom is here, I think, somewhere this morning. Is she here? Do we have nothing? She already left. Dang it. <laughs> so you get it. Proof that a person is enjoying intimate fellowship, abiding in a relationship with Jesus, is that they'll start to model his life. And that's connected again to his word. We abide in his word. How did Jesus walk? Well, he loved people. He served people. He was the most selfless human being that this earth has ever seen. Jesus was the best. In fact, Paul uses Jesus as a model saying, guys, in Philippians 2, he says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Another translation, which is in Christ Jesus, which was found in Christ Jesus. Jesus lived like that. So God, I want to model who you are. It happens when you abide with him. In Mark's gospel, Jesus says, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The imitation of God. If you think about what would be the ultimate like, man, I am, I am growing as a Christian. We think in terms of like you read so many books or you went to church, that you served this amount of times. It's actually just mimicking the life of Jesus himself. That's when you and I, we know we're moving in the right direction when we see people with compassion again, when we actually choose to do a loving, selfless deed again. Those are the kinds of indications, man, we are actually moving. In fact, Paul again in Ephesians 5, he says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. See, because you belong to him, your life should start to take on his image. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. To abide, when you think about that term, I am the vine, you are the branches, he or she who abides in me, right, as a branch does the vine, that they will, they will uh, they'll receive life and they will bear fruit because of that connection. To abide in Jesus means to be completely dependent upon him, as Jesus even describes in John 15. And his life begins to live through us. There's a great story in the, in the uh, book of Acts as the gospel went to go transform communities and change lives. There's a church in Antioch, it says, and it was there that the believers were first called Christians. You know what the word Christian means? It means little Christ. When people say, I'm a Christian, or those people are Christians, the, the, the one characteristic about their lives shouldn't be how many Christian tattoos they have or stickers they have on their car, but the fact that they actually live like Jesus himself. In fact, that may be the biggest thing that hinders people from joining Christians in churches on Sunday mornings is because we're not little Christ living out in our community. Abide in him. When you abide in him, you will start to imitate him. My life will begin to look like him. And by the way, it's not we imitate him so that we can abide in him. That's the wrong, that's a, it's the reverse of that. Is that you abide in him. You are connected to him. That first word, to know him. Chapter one, fellowship with him. Walking with him in the light. All these relational terms. If you spend your life getting to know Jesus personally, 
your life will begin to imitate him. It's just natural. It's nature. And you stay connected to him. And the life of Jesus is lived in us and it's lived out of us. Even as Paul declared, it is Christ who now lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live in and through the Son of God. This is extremely practical stuff. So if somebody sins against you as a Christian, you do what Jesus does. You choose to forgive them. Uh, Jesus is the example for households. Paul says in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wife as what? As Christ loved the church. How does Christ love the church? He died for the church. You might say, I'm dying for my wife. Well, probably, she'd probably disagree. <laughs> you lay your life down for your spouse. Hey, we didn't make you say those vows, did we? You chose to go up on a stage and say these vows, and now Jesus becomes your example. Jesus is the example also for the wife. Wives, submit to your own husbands as the church does to the, to the Lord. And Jesus submitted to the Father to respect, to honor, right? There's so many practical examples of Jesus. I'm going to stop right there so I don't get in trouble today talking about submitting and I'm just kidding. But do you, do you see how the examples just go out? Every single area of your life, Jesus becomes an example. So practical. You know these tests about knowing Jesus and abiding in Jesus? I told you they're comforting because I bet you every one of you can go like, you know what? I used to not want to do this, you know, like love or serve or give or, or do anything that was, you know, Christ-like in my life. And now you start to feel those desires. You have a desire to, to read your Bible. Listen, by the way, please don't think like that a Christian wakes up every morning going like, zippity-doodle, I can't wait to open my Bible. Most Christians I know, they want to look through their scroll on Instagram first and see if they missed out on anything. We all get distracted. We all have flesh. We all get selfish. But deep inside, God, I have a desire to know you. And the comfort is, is that if you know him, you'll start to desire to obey his commands. And if you're abiding in him, your life will slowly begin to shift away from a selfish human being. You'll become more and more like Jesus. And people will notice it at your work. In your household is the first place they should notice it. When you read about Lee Strobel's story, the guy who wrote uh, A Case for Christ and A Case for Faith and A Case for Everything Else, uh, he, um, I think he milked that pretty good. <laughs> Great book, great author, his journey of coming to Jesus was he basically went, on a, 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 uh, went out on an investigation to basically prove that Christianity was wrong and he found out that Christianity was actually right and he gave his life to Jesus. But the story is that his kids started seeing transformation happening at home in their dad. That's what happens when you abide in Jesus. It's also a little bit um, challenging at the same time because I know I'm saved and I want you to know that you're saved too this morning if you've committed and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've humbled yourself, you admitted your sins, your need for a savior, you've believed in Jesus, you've asked him to come into your life. You're a saved man or woman today. You passed the test, we passed the test, we see the signs in our life, yes, I wanna obey God. And yes, I wanna actually uh, grow in my love for God. But like any relationship, you know, sometimes those relationships can kind of like get a little bit um, passionless. You know what I mean? You're not as passionate as you were for Jesus Christ. Those 
early days as a new Christian, you're reading your Bible all the time, you're praying, you're worshiping God, and then you sort of grow, you know, in your relationships. It's like any relationship. You ever go to a wedding and you see like a couple over there and like, what's their story? How did that happen? They look miserable at this wedding. You know what I mean? Have you ever been there? I go, I go, I do weddings. Hopefully it's not the couple in front of me giving their vows. <laughs> like a little too soon for this, guys. You should wait another year. But then you see other couples. They're toasting like it's their wedding. You're like, hey, knock that off. You're going to get us all in trouble, right? But there's still passion there. Think about your own relationship today. You know, we've been talking about being men and women of God's word. We've been talking about, you know, uh, living lives that want to seek and obey his commands. We've been talking about abiding in close connection to Jesus. We've been talking about how that shifts and changes our life, that we become more and more like our Savior. And chances are, if you have been a Christian for more than a couple years, you've seen some of that passion die down in your life. You know, these are the kinds of moments in our lives where we go, you know what, Lord, I've been getting a little distracted chasing after other things in this life, in this world, that in the, in the end aren't even going to matter when it's all said and done. You know what's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus Christ and how you allow that to impact your life for eternal things. Your obedience to him, my obedience to him, your imitation of him, my imitation of him. To know and abide are these intimate terms of fellowship and divine friendship. My encouragement to you this week is to cut out all of the things in your life that actually become a weight to your Christian life. There could be distractions. Maybe they're not even sinful. But they just are taking away your ability to really pursue Jesus Christ. It might mean that you cut out a TV show at night so you can get to bed early because you're going to cut out a half hour in the morning to spend time with God. It might mean that you're going to delete an Instagram app off your phone uh, for a week just so that you can actually like, get your life back you know, on track. These things are addicting. Have you noticed that? It's like just take a shot right there. Delete something so that you get your life back in a way that you can pursue Jesus Christ. Changing your life, growing in his commands and becoming more like him, they don't come by you and I trying harder this week. I'm gonna try to be more loving this week. You know what happened? It's get your eyes on Jesus Christ this week. Walk with him. Get your Bible out. Start getting into God's word. Carve out times of prayer. And that, what, what happens then is, then it really starts to change in your life. That's when life actually begins to change. And so you just make knowing him your master passion in life. You'll see that drawing nearer to him, you'll seek to obey him more. Your life will reflect him more. And his love in us will be perfected and it will mature. 